lead a horse to water, but... Right, and what's that mean? It means that you can give somebody all the necessary information. Uh, you can lead them to exactly the right outcome that they need to take, but they, you cannot make that choice for them. Uh, some other things, uh, ways of putting it that I came up with. Um, I told Mrs. Wagnon, uh, I was going to use her as an example, that you can give your child the best musical instrument, and you can make Mrs. Wagnon their teacher, but you can't make your student or your child play. You can take uh, somebody who needs a job and you can do all the footwork in order to get them the interview, to get them the job, but you cannot make them actually work. And that there's numerous examples that you can come up with kind of to explain the same thing. But they all come down to the point where somebody's got to make a choice, the person in that position. And when it comes to Jesus, it's exactly the same. You can tell people the good news about Jesus, but you cannot make them accept it as true. You can lead people to Jesus, but you cannot make them believe. And the goal of this message is to lead each of us to the truth that we need Jesus, to lead us to the, the truth that Jesus did, in fact, die on a cross and rise from the dead so that we can have eternal life. But as in the case of the horse, all the Bible can do is lead you to water. What you do with it from there is up to you. We are going to be in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Uh, we're going to first of all see that Jesus did rise from the dead, and then we're going to see what do we need to do about it? What is our part to play after we saw Jesus has done his? After Jesus has led us to the water, what are you going to do with that choice, with, with that information that he's given us? Luke chapter 24, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 12. I'm only going to read verses 1 through 7 to start with. Luke 24, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still with you in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again? Now, Jesus, we're going to look and see what he just said, that he rose again from the dead. But I want to say, well, why did Jesus have to die? I mean, if he's, he, he obviously, if he's going to rise from the dead, he had to die. But how did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? Was he, you know, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't like he was out... Uh, playing with his brothers, climbing a tree, and he fell off, and, and he happened to pass away. It wasn't because of he was in a battle, and he was fighting to save his country that he died. It wasn't because of old age. People die those ways in numerous other ways uh, every day, but that was not the case. This was a matter of choice. Jesus chose to die on the cross. He chose to come down to this earth because he loves you. Jesus loves others, and Jesus loves me. That's why he came. He came to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, the punishment that we deserve. Romans 3.23, I think everybody probably knows it, says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Uh, first, uh, Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you and he died for me. 
And that's a very well-known truth, and it's a very important fact. But what, was, what makes Jesus rising from the dead such a big deal? I mean, why is it so important? Why is it so necessary that once Jesus died, that he actually rose again? Well, there's, there's a number of different reasons. Uh, the first, it matters because Jesus said it was going to happen like this. If Jesus says he's going to rise from the dead, and if he does not rise from the dead, what does that make Jesus? A liar, right? And if he's a liar, then he's guilty, and he deserves the punishment for his own sins. Uh, he said it a couple times in the book of Luke. And as we look at it, I'm sure you'll think, how could the disciples not understand? How could they not get what Jesus was saying? Because it seems plain, and it seems very obvious. Luke chapter 9, verses 21 and 22. And he strictly warned them and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Everybody should have been there uh, at that point. So it could, because Jesus said it, but they just didn't get it. Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 33. We find Jesus saying it again. It says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Everything that Jesus said that was going to happen, it happened exactly like, this, like he said. They should have been able to just follow along and say, okay, this is what's taking place. This is what's going to, take, what's going to happen, but they, they didn't see that. So it matters, first of all, because Jesus said it was going to take place. It's that simple. It matters for a second reason, because Jesus rising from the dead proves, in fact, that Jesus is God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 to 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 to 18. It says, For if the dead are, do not rise, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Jesus never rose from the dead, Jesus was just another good man, who was just another good teacher, who, who lived a good life, but he died just like the natural course of man. And that means that you are still dead and lost in your sins. That means you have no hope. Jesus was, and Jesus is the only hope that we have for eternal life. If he never rose from the dead then we're, we're wasting our time here today. I don't know what you'd be sitting here listening to me for, because I can think of about ten better things I would rather do than be in your shoes listening to me if this, in fact, is not true. But it proves, because Jesus rose from the dead, it proves that Jesus is God, that he was not just another man. And the result of Jesus rising from the dead, Romans chapter 4, verse 25 Romans 4.25, it says, talking about Jesus who was delivered up because of our offenses. So he was put to death on the cross to pay for our sins and was raised because of our justification. That means he was legally declaring people righteous. If they put their faith in him, when he rose from the dead, it just, it just was like a flood, I think. It went out and it legally declared everybody righteous who was going to put their faith in Jesus. And so it... it Jesus said it was going to take place like this. It proves he is God, and it, it declares us righteous. And that's why it's so important that he didn't just die like somebody else 
but he in fact was God raising uh, back from the dead. I mean, God is in heaven, but Jesus as God on, in the flesh on earth, rising back from the dead, he conquered death. He, he conquered sin that, so that we could have eternal life. Jesus did his part. He came down to this earth. He lived here for 33 years. Uh, we've talked about how he went through everything that we experienced. He wept. He was in pain. He dealt with temptations. He went through all of those things genuinely, and he died perfectly on that cross so that we could have eternal life. He did his part. He died, and he rose again. Now it is time for us to do our part. There's a, a slideshow with this, but I, I'm not using this, so don't expect anything to happen with that, okay? Uh, so what should we do? Well, we find the first thing we should do is, is share Jesus with others. And that's what the women did. Uh, when they, they went to the tomb and they saw that Jesus' body was not there, they went and they told the disciples. Let me read verses uh, 8 through 11. And first of all, we're going to see people who did not believe the message. It says, And they remembered his words, which was the women who heard from the angels. They were reminded. And they returned from the tomb, and they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, and told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. So these women, you know, and I, I hate to throw these women under the bus, because they went to the tomb. Uh, all the disciples, they stayed away. They were too afraid to go to the tomb. They believed Jesus was dead. He was in the grave. The guards were there. Nothing was going to change. They were too afraid of what would happen if they showed their faces. And so they stayed away. They, they did not expect Jesus to rise from the dead. We looked and saw that Jesus said, this is going to take place. And they did not believe. They did not remember. So they did not go. These women, as much as I'd love to say they believed because they went, they didn't believe because they went. They went to that cross with a bunch of spices that they wanted to put on Jesus's dead body to help it smell better for longer while it started to decompose. They went there, and Mark 16, 3 says, they started kind of wondering among themselves, oh yeah, there's this big stone there in the way so that uh, you can't get in there. How are we going to move that stone? Right, Derek's thinking, somebody's got to move that stone so that we can get in. Uh, when they got there, they were stunned that there was no body because they were expecting to see Jesus' body. And they were surprised when the angels told them, remember, this is what Jesus said. And so then, oh yeah, it dawned on them that this is really how it was supposed to be. So these women, as much as I'd love to say that they believed, that's why they went, they did not believe, in fact, that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They just expected him to be there. They were going to treat his body just like they would treat my body. Like it's in the ground, it's not going to go anywhere. But they went and told the disciples, and... Uh, those fellows who should have known, who should have believed, uh, they did not believe either. Uh, let me read verses 8, to, uh, 8 through 11 again. It says, And they remembered his words, the women, and they returned from the tomb, and they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. There are eleven out of twelve disciples there. Judas has already betrayed Jesus. Judas has already went and hung himself. So now all eleven apostles that are possible are there. And, uh, there's, and there's numerous other people there as well. Men, women, I don't know. It doesn't say names. It doesn't say how many. But there are at least 12, right? Because there's other people. So there's 11 to 20-ish, I'm guessing, people there. 
and they do not believe this message. It says in uh, verse 11, it says, and their words seemed to them like idle tales. Uh, it seemed to them like it was gibberish, like it was uh, the, the medical people of that day, it would be a term that they'd use for the crazy people, like they were mad, and they, they just babbled on and on, and that's kind of how the disciples took this, like, these women, they're, they're, this is hokey, I can't believe, uh, and, and the, the other thing the women had going for them is that they were women, you know, they, they weren't highly thought of in that culture, I mean, my wife comes and tells me something, I will believe her, you know, she says, you're ugly, she says, that was terrible, I will believe everything that she tells me, if she told me, Elvis is outside, I'm going to believe her, right? Even though it doesn't even make any sense, because I know Leslie, I'm, I'm going to believe the message that she's going to give me. But these disciples did not use, believe this message. Even the religious leaders of that day who didn't believe Jesus was going to rise from the dead, uh, they did a better job than the disciples because they said, we know what was, Jesus said was going to happen. We know that he said after three days he was going to rise again. So that's why they made sure that there was guards there in order to at least for three days keep this story from getting out that Jesus had in fact risen from the dead. But they did not believe. They didn't go to the tomb looking for Jesus risen from the dead. They expected him to stay in the ground. But there is some good news in this. There were some people who believed this message. There was nine out of 11 disciples who said, I am not going. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're telling me. I'm staying right here. But there were two disciples who were curious that actually left to the tomb to see really what is going on with this story. Uh, how could this be possible that Jesus' body is not there? Verse 12 says, But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Uh, that's only one, right? That's Peter going by himself. But if you look in John chapter 20, you find out that there was another disciple who doesn't name himself, but it's known that he, it was John. So you have two disciples who actually go, they go running to the tomb, really curious about this message that Jesus' body is not there anymore. And you find out that Peter, when he saw this, I mean, you, you find out that he saw this. You find out in Luke chapter 24, 12, that he marveled at the fact that Jesus' body wasn't there. Uh, but John, things are a little bit different. John chapter 20, verse 8, it says, And he saw and he believed. So out of all the disciples, all 11 disciples, out of all the other people, you had it narrowed down to two. I don't even know what percentage that would be. Two out of 11 is not a good percent. And then you narrow it down even farther that you only have one person who combines it with a little bit of faith and says, Okay, now I at least get part of it. I believe that Jesus has risen, that, that he is not here. He must be risen as he said he was going to do. And these women, I mean, I'm sorry, these men, they went to the tomb. Why do you think these guys end up having the courage or the curiosity to go to the tomb? You know, obviously they weren't going to go on their own, so why did they go when the women were there? It was because the women told them. If those women would have just kept that to themselves, and talked and, you know, been a little giddy women because they're excited about something and never told the disciples, those disciples after three or four days may have went just to say, yep, things are still the way they are. You know, the tomb is being taken care of. But those women went, and like I said, even though they were women, even though people thought less of them, they say we're going to break that barrier 
And we're going to tell these disciples this good news because they need to hear it. All these women could do was they could lead these men to water. They could tell them all the information. I'm sure they were excited. They're like probably trying to drag them. Look, guys, look, Jesus has risen. You've got to go check it out for yourself. But those disciples were like that stubborn horse that says, I'm, I'm not drinking. I am not thirsty. Your job is to share the message with other people, the good news uh, of salvation. You know, there's this, uh, and I, I want to say when you do that, you, everybody has a mouth and some teeth and a tongue, right? You have to use that if you're going to share the gospel with people. You know, that's what the women did. They didn't just run around like excited and hope that people were asking them about their excitement and, and thinking that something's got to be different about them. Uh, they, they actually said things. There's this, this uh, quote that's very popular that I know a lot of people like, and maybe some of you do in here. It says, share the gospel. You use words if necessary. Has anybody ever heard that? No? Okay, a few people like looking at me like, okay. You know, I, I like to say I agree with that. Um, but I, I struggle to agree with that because at some point you have to um, get out there and share the gospel. I mean, it is great to give people groceries. It's wonderful to change somebody's tires. And if you're willing to sit and listen to somebody's problems for hours upon hours, that's wonderful. I mean, your life has to kind of back up what you say you believe. But that doesn't save anybody. You know, there's lots of people who say, spend millions of dollars uh, on, on poor people and on for the good of humanity. But they don't, they're not doing it because of Jesus. They're doing it because they're good people, because they, they look and see that there is a need. But there's a point where you have to open up your mouth and you have to share the gospel. You have to share the good news. You know, um, I've never personally had anybody look at me and say, what makes you different? Um, has anybody ever had that happen? Like, um, you do something nice for them, they say, what do you believe about God? You know, it, that's, that's not something, that's something we'd all would like to have happen, but that's not something that typically happens. It, it would happen for the women that day, I almost guarantee you. These women who are depressed and sad because they just lost Jesus, all of a sudden show up among the disciples, all giddy and excited. The disciples are going to say, what's going on? Right? How could you be so different? Uh, but the, for the average situation, that's not going to take place. You have to be able and you have to be willing to open up your mouth and actually tell somebody this is the good news about Jesus. So are you ready to do that? Do you have any idea what you would say if you are going to open up your mouth and share the gospel or the good news with people? Uh, we've been in the book of Luke for almost two and a half years. Uh, Lord willing, by the end of May, we will be done with the book of Luke. Uh, but we've been talking about the gospel over and over and over for the last two and a half years. Uh, we've looked at uh, different passages that help explain it, the, the importance of making sure we get out and do it. We've looked at Romans Road. We, we've had it on the back of the bulletin. I've said, memorize this. Write this down in the, your Bible so if you have the opportunity, you know what to say. So now it's test time. How many people in the past two and a half years have tried one time to share the gospel with somebody. You, okay, Caleb says he has. Um, you don't have to raise your hands or anything like that, but how many people have done it? This is something where we've been given the good news. We've been given the opportunity. We've been given the message. But have you gotten out there and tried? I've had opportunities that it's not because I'm a pastor. One, I was the, defending my son. 
that, that turned into this parent versus parent fight that it was like, okay, we got, got that calmed down, and then we're able to get into the gospel. It was like, it wasn't because I'm a pastor. It could have been anybody in here if you were in my situation, uh, talking to neighbors, and it's like, it just, God just brings up those situations. It's just a matter of you saying, okay, God, I will open up my mouth, and I will say something. Noah? Oh, I'm sorry. I can see that. Get rid of that. <laughs> I thought it was showing up here. It was just going to be very distracting. So you have to be able, you have to be willing, you have to know that you have to open up your mouth in order to share the gospel with people. But you also have to live it out in your life. Um, you know, because some people are really good about just getting out there and, and just talking, but their life doesn't back it up. And I've known people like that where they will say all the right things, but when it comes to their life, it's, it's like, I hope, I just would rather you just never said anything because your life is just so backwards from what you're saying that you believe. Um, but your life should uh, match what you're saying. Your life should reflect the gospel everywhere you go. So kids who go to the locker rooms, you're here in church, and you're saying, okay, I'm showing my faith here in church, but when you're in your locker rooms, are you showing that you're a believer in Jesus? Or is that like, I'm a here, a Christian, there, I'm not so much. Uh, everybody, when you are in your lunchroom at work, are you living out your faith there? Can people see that there is a difference? Um, when you're at home, behind closed doors, when your kids, or when your wife or your husband sees what's truly you, are you living out your faith there? Or is it just a Sunday thing once a week? You've you got to be able to preach the gospel or say the gospel with your words, but you've got to make sure that you're living your, the gospel out in your life everywhere you go all the time. And that's a very big chore, right? That's a very big request, a very big responsibility. We've got to keep in our minds to make sure that we are living out our faith. And that's, that's a, a, a big calling. Um, but God's not expecting you to do that on your own. You know, he's expecting you to go to him for help, and he's there. If you're willing to ask him, he's willing to help you to live out your faith. You know, I, I know when I, and I, when I say share the gospel with people, I know there's this fear. I mean, I don't see it on people's faces, but I've been in your shoes. I mean, I, you know the easiest place to preach the gospel is right here. It is easy. I have like um, 100 eyeballs looking at me, you know, or maybe 99 because of email. But uh, I have... Everybody looking at me, and it's the easiest place to share the gospel. <laughs> what gets hard is when I go out there and I go one-on-one -on -one with my neighbor. That's when it gets hard to share the gospel. But you got you to do it, and you, you can pray for opportunities to come. right? Say, God, please create this opportunity. You know what's going to happen the first time you do? There's going to be distractions. There's going to be the kids who are playing. There's going to be the telephone that's going to ring. There's going to be the dog that's barking. But say, God... I'm asking for an opportunity. Please just clear the slate. Make sure that everything is prepared and calm so when I share the gospel, they'll be willing to open to it. God, please help me to have the words to say. I know that preacher keeps telling me those things that are in the scripture, but I can't remember them. I'm afraid to say them. Give me the courage to say these things. And God, please make the person ready to hear because it doesn't matter. You can lead a horse to water. You can give them Mrs. Wagner to teach them to play the piano, but you can't make them play, right? You can't make them believe. So the Holy Spirit's got to go before you and prepare it. You're just the messenger. You just got to get a little bit of courage up to say the words. So pray and ask God to help you through it. And as you do it, you got to remember you're going to have similar responses to the women when they told the disciples the good news that Jesus had risen from the dead. 
Some people are not going to believe the message that you rose from the dead. What did the disciples think? They thought this was hokey. They thought this was idle talk. They just thought this was, uh, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I've never known anybody who came back to life. The closest I can say is uh, somebody that I knew whose friend, whose friend was in an accident and was like not breathing, dead, whatever, for 20 minutes, and they came back to life. They were on the, the morgue table starting ready to get worked on, and then there you go. They came back to life. I don't know the person, but that's the closest I can get to somebody actually dying and coming back from the dead. Think about Jesus. He was in the, he was in the tomb for three days. That doesn't happen, right? You're dead that long. You are dead. You are not coming back. And so it might be, you might be that person to think, you know what? This is idle talk, Josh. This is hokey. This is really impossible to believe. And it might seem like foolishness. And if that's you, okay, I'm willing to accept it. God, I think, is willing to prove it. You know, if, if you're in that position, you say, you know what, I'm just here because somebody drugged me here. It's Easter Sunday. I have to be here. I really think this is hokey. You guys are all loony. Uh, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to say, God, if you're real, prove it to me. God's a big God. He knows how to prove it to you. He's not going to strike you dead because you ask him. You're, you're being genuine. You're being honest, saying, hey, if you're really there, I want this. Uh, prove it to me, uh, but give God the chance. Don't just say, okay, this is a waste of time. I'm not even going to try like these nine of these disciples did. They didn't even give the, these people a chance. If that's you, say, God, if you're real, I want you to prove it. There's going to be people that you talk to that are going to be curious. They're going to see that you're living out your faith or hearing these words uh, it doesn't really make sense to them that you're believing in this guy you cannot see that's supposedly lived 2,000 years ago and he died and he rose again. And they might just might be curious. They might just spend part of their days watching you, right, to see if what you're, what you're saying is really true. They might come and ask you, hey, Karen, I don't get this. Hey, Nicole, this doesn't really make sense. That's okay. It is okay. We don't have to be on a defensive. We don't have to be worried. God can give us the words to say. If you find yourself as a curious person, tell God, I'm curious about this. I don't really see how this could be true. I just don't want you to spend your day sitting on the fence thinking, okay, phew, all I got to do is just get away from this place and get back to my life. This is too big of a decision that you have to make. If you're curious, say, God, um, if this is true, I want it. At least give God that chance uh, to prove it, to say, if you're there, I'll, I'll accept this because um, I don't want it. I don't want to miss out, because you don't want to miss out. Your option is eternity in hell or heaven. There's no middle ground. There's no happy place in between. You're choosing Jesus, or you're not choosing Jesus. And if you, if you, still, if you feel like it's crazy, you feel like it's hard to believe, um, I, I'm always up for questions. I've brought up a, a little Elise uh, numerous times, has come and asked me some challenging question to my faith. Like, why, why is this? Why is that? And and most of the things that I, I can tell her, like right now, this is the answer. You guys might have some bigger questions that I may not know right off the top of my head, but I will do my level best to get you the answer. And if you have a question you want to stump me, go for it. And we'll work together to see what the Bible says about that. I just want to make sure that you are convinced in your mind that, yes, Jesus is a fluke. Je Jesus is a joke. Jesus is a lie. Or Jesus is true. And that he really did die and he really did rise again. And then you'll live your life accordingly. Just get off of that fence and go the right way and choose Jesus.
But you know what? Sometimes when you get out there and you share the good news with people, people will believe. The, the percentage of those who believe is going to be way less. You think about the disciples. Out of 11 disciples who went, and out of all these other people who heard Jesus rose from the dead, how many got the credit for putting their faith in this and, and believing this? One. One out of all those people that heard this message that Jesus rose from the dead said, okay, I'm going to believe this. And that might be the percent that you get. I've told you lots of times how um, I, I've, I've talked to people about the Lord. People around here, they don't want or they don't want to believe it. I told you this kid at Awana. I said, here's the gospel. Would you like to pray? Nope, I don't want to. Well, thank you, you know. But it's like you, you don't have the choice. It's not up to you. You're just leading them to the water. You're dragging them. You're begging them. There's a picture I found of a horse in the water to try to show, like, you're, you're engulfed in this thing. Just take a drink. And they don't want to do that. But people will put their faith in him. But I want to encourage you to pray for it. There's this guy named George Mueller. He began praying for five friends. This is after many months. One of them came to the Lord. That's a long time right there. Many months praying for, the Lord, for someone to come to the Lord. Ten years later, two more were converted. It took 25 years before the fourth man was saved. Mueller persevered and prayed until his death uh, for the, his fifth friend. And throughout those 52 years, he never gave up uh, hoping that he would accept Christ. And after Mueller died, that fifth friend came to know the Lord. 52 years praying for five friends. That guy had perseverance. That guy waited patiently. He was faithful in prayer. So I want you to be prayful. Be faithful in praying for those people you know who need the Lord. I want you to share consistently. I want you to invite them regularly. If you can't get the words out of your mouth, get them somewhere where they can hear the message of salvation. And I hope that's you. I hope you're the person who says, I put my stamp, I believe this message that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. I hope this is a happy day where you remember that. But I hope this is, you're also that person who's willing to get out there Yes, it's scary. You're willing to engage in conversations and share the good news with people. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You can, you can give your kid the best musical instrument and give them Miss Wegman as a teacher, but you can't make them play. You can go to great lengths to give this guy a job who needs a job, but you cannot make him work. The same is true with Jesus. You can give people all the information that they need, all that they can hope for, but you cannot make them believe. It's up to God, and it's up to them. But you have a choice to do your part. Are you willing to do your part to lead people to the water? Are you willing to, to, to admit that you need Jesus yourself um, as well? Today is a good day. Today is Easter Sunday. It's beautiful out, and we were remembering the death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you believe? And if you believe it, will you share it? Let's pray. Dear God, I do thank you for your message of salvation. God, I thank you so much that you uh, lived out what we need to live out, God, that uh, we need to put our faith in you. You lived your life perfectly so that we could have eternal life. I pray that we would choose to live holy lives for you as best as we can. And God, I pray that we would be bold in sharing this message with others like the women did. It's a crazy message that you died 2,000 years ago and that you rose again so that we could have eternal life. But that's what you say, and that's what we're putting our faith in. God, please help us to get that out to share with other people. God, if anybody in here needs to put their faith in you, I pray that they would. Don't let them leave today, God, without talking to somebody or talk about asking their questions, God, about, uh, without being fully convinced in their mind that they need you. 
So God, I just pray that you would work in their hearts. Thank you so much for your salvation and for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name. Get a horse to water.